Welcome to Fronteras, a program that explores issues at the border and beyond through the lens of arts, culture, and history. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. The book West of the Creek, Murder, Mayhem, and Vice in Old San Antonio was recently reissued by Maverick Books, an imprint of Trinity University Press in San Antonio. It consists of a series of stories by David Bowser, described as a historical detective of San Antonio. The stories depict the seamier side of San Antonio's West Side and feature an all-star cast of real-life Old West characters like Wyatt Earp and Butch Cassidy. There are many people who live in or have roots in this historic part of the city who have other stories to tell, stories that are more real to them. San Antonio's historic west side has roots to the indigenous people who settled near the creek mentioned in the book's title, San Pedro Creek. They settled there thousands of years ago, in what's now the city center. Generations of ethnic Mexican families on the west side have been displaced by gentrification, demolition, and development in the last century. Texas Public Radio's headquarters lies on the banks of the San Pedro Creek. Apartments, businesses, hospitals, parking garages, and countless construction construction projects lie within the highway boundaries that split the community. TPR hosted a Maverick Book Club event that used the new edition of West of the Creek as a launching point to discuss the history and importance of San Antonio's West Side and its people. This panel features activist Graciela Sanchez, director of the Esperanza Peace and Justice Center in San Antonio, Metro columnist with the San Antonio Express News, Elaine Ayala, Dr. Antonia Castañeda, professor emeritus of history at St. Mary's University in San Antonio, and cultural historian Claudia Guerra, who wrote the foreword to the recent reissue of West of the Creek. This conversation, edited for broadcast, was recorded on January 24, 2024, at the Malu and Carlos Alvarez Theater at TPR's headquarters. TPR's Fronteras producer, Maria Navarro, moderated this discussion. In this first half of the program, you'll first hear from cultural historian Claudia Guerra, followed by Graciela Sanchez of the Esperanza and by Express News columnist Elaine Ayala. Here, Guerra gives historical context to the land west of the San Pedro Creek. It's probably important to understand that when the first settlers come here, um, the, the west of San Pedro Creek was the grazing land for all of the cattle. It was a commons area. And it's not until after Texas becomes a republic that the city is incorporated and they began to sell the lands and they called it the lands west of the creek. Um, and they were selling them and partitioning the land into parcels, and people were buying them. Those people tended to be the elected officials and some of the people who were able to control the land in a way that maybe others didn't. So that's how it begins being defined as a place to live. And if you can imagine, it was actually a very diverse place at first. Um, just a catty corner to this, there was um, a barber shop that was run by an enslaved African-American. Right down the street, there would have been a livery or stables and uh, blacksmiths. And so it's not until later that this idea of murder and mayhem begins created. But if you would keep in mind that 
there were people who were living here who had children, they were families, they were law-abiding people. They just wanted a safe place for their children to grow up, for there to be community. And so even though this other idea of outlaws, uh, which is very real, I, I've done a lot of that history as well, uh, but in between all of that, uh, there were people who were living there and it was not their choice to have this kind of community um, being built around. I shouldn't call it community. They were the community. This other stuff that gets thrust upon them is not there by their choice. Lots and lots of thoughts. Um, what I know from very little that's written, I mean, that's the truth. As you said, it, it's, a, it's a place of business. It's a place of home, of homes, of of. of of playing, you know, of, you know, entertainment as time goes on. I think early on, yes, the shootouts and, you know, I think Plaza del Zacate or the Hayes, Hayes Street Market area where, you know, the Mexicanos who had just come, you know, many who had come during the 1910 revolution just prior to that. And I think of, you know, Emma Tenayuca, I think of Lidia Mendoza, all in those common spaces you know, not only performing like Lydia and many, many more of the troubadours, but Emma and many people doing their ponencias, you know, just like, even if there had been a TPR, they probably wouldn't have been running their stories, so they had to tell their own stories publicly, orally. Um, and so, you know, it was alive and it was exciting, um, I think. West of the Creek was also where we were starting to get shoved to, right? I think earlier on we were throughout the entire downtown area, and as time went on, this was West of the Creek is where we were allowed to. But, um, you know, I, I do want to kind of share the story of my great grandmother and my grandmother, right? That as a businesswoman, you know, one of those moments she sent my abuelita, you know, she was a young little, you know, probably, you know, between 10 and 12 years old to un bandado, you know, go and get me such and such, but don't go down that street. <laughs> don't go into that area. But little Francisca was curious, right? So Francisca probably goes down Concho Street or some other street and goes just a little further south. And while walking around, she gets called on by some young woman, right? And she's like looking out her window and calls her over and says, please help me, I'm hungry, I'm, but I'm very, very sick and I need water, I need water. So my abuelita knows she has to go back and she has to be honest and say, oops, I was on the wrong side with uh, mama, um, but this woman needs your help. So my grandmother, you know, probably was a little disappointed with her, la regañó un poquito maybe, but she grabbed you know, she grabbed a basket and she filled it with food and she filled it with medicine and she filled it, not water, because they didn't do bottled water. <laughs> but she went and she said, llévame, vamos, show me where this woman lives. And sure enough, she was probably a sex worker and she probably had some disease. And so my great-grandmother went back every day, every day, just to take care of her. Every day until she wasn't anymore, right? So that was that intersection, at least in the stories I grew up with hearing, you know, here's a businesswoman, but right around the corner are these sex workers. But as a human being, as a woman of Mexican uh, 
descent and of the values, it was important for her to take care of that senora. Well, I think even it's important to acknowledge, right, that while this book focuses on a very specific portion of San Antonio history on the west side, it is talking about maybe the more salacious, thing, salacious things that happened during the time. It's not all encompassing, right? This is not the, the end all be all of what was happening during the time. Like Claudia said, there were business people making their living here during this time. There were families making their lives, you know, flourishing in other ways as well. So I think looking at it, at it that way um, and knowing that this isn't just what the West Side is, right? And so that, there's still kind of that perception even, even today of, well, the West Side is dangerous, which we know isn't true, but it's still a perception. So can you guys talk a little bit about that? Um, I grew up in the late 50s, and we lived at 1706 San Fernando, which was right near Lanier High School and so close to downtown. I felt like downtown was my neighborhood. And um, my mother, who was also born in the neighborhood, and her maternal family, all of them were th within a six-block radius. Um, and we couldn't walk there alone, but you could walk there um, to my tia's house, to the Molino, to Ochoa's grocery store, to the church. I had cousins, adult cousins, who were members of gangs, and some of them made it to prison. Some of them didn't. They died as young men in the violence of the streets. But my life was sheltered from all that because my parents, working dad, our lives were about family and faith and culture and traditions. So I was sheltered from all of that in my little house, and it was a row house that my uh, parents bought as soon as they got married in the in the 40s and continued to grow towards the back so that we had very little grass at the back because, you know, the babies kept coming. So we added little rooms. And um, that was our lives. It was around tamaleras, around um, uh, festive gatherings, around um, this sort of insulated place that was so different than what was happening on, say for example, on Guadalupe Street. Though I have a good story about Guadalupe Street. My tia Emma, the toughest lady in our family, ran a bar on Guadalupe Street with her sort of husband. <laughs> and I think it's a barber shop now. So, uh, and I remember my parents to make extra money would go Saturday mornings to clean it up. There was sawdust, I thought it was so elegant because there was sawdust on the floor, and it was the first time I sat at a bar. I was about five. I still like sitting there. Wherever I go around the world, I like to sit right at the bar and talk to the bartender. My brother and I were sitting there um, while my parents cleaned up, and she would pay them something, and she served us little Cokes and then a little package of salted peanuts, and we put it inside the Coke, and I thought I was living large. That's the West Side, I know. That's San Antonio Express News columnist Elaine Ayala talking about her experiences and memories of San Antonio's historic West Side. We also heard from Graciela Sanchez, director of San Antonio's Esperanza Peace and Justice Center, and from cultural historian Claudia Guerra. They were participants in a panel discussing the history and people of the land west of San Pedro Creek. 
This discussion was recorded January 2024 and was moderated by Fronteras producer Maria Navarro. There's lots more to this conversation. Stay tuned to Fronteras. Welcome back to Fronteras. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. TPR held a panel discussion in January 2024 that focused on the reissue of the book West of the Creek, Murder, Mayhem, and Vice in Old San Antonio, published by Trinity University Press. The conversation, moderated by Fronteras producer Maria Navarro, veered away from the book and to the perception of the land and the people who live west of the San Pedro Creek, the historic west side of San Antonio, one of the oldest neighborhoods in the city. The panel featured activist Graciela Sanchez, director of the Esperanza Peace and Justice Center in San Antonio, Metro columnist with the San Antonio Express News, Elaine Ayala, historian Antonia Castaneda, member of the Westside Preservation Alliance, the WPA, and cultural historian Claudia Guerra, who wrote the foreword to the recent reissue of West of the Creek. Antonia Castaneda says mayhem and vice and salaciousness paint a stereotypical picture of Westside San Antonio that persists today. Part of my concern is that that is still fundamentally the construct and the conceptualization of the Westside. And so while um, I, personally I kind of tend to dismiss the, the book in a way because it is so salacious, but on the other hand, I can't, I can't afford to dismiss it precisely because that continues to be the, the construct, the perspective. And it is a perspective that is historically, uh, until very recently, encoded in, in uh, city regulations and in city uh, codicils. Uh, and so as we think about this, then we need to uh, go back and examine those and review them and analyze them and reinterpret them. If we look at the language of the book, the salaciousness, the desperado, uh, the ladies of the night, the uh, blue book, and on and on and on, uh, and precisely because these, these histories are not written. They are, uh, they are in the memories of the communities, their families, their parents, their great-grandparents, and embedded, uh, from my perspective, in the cellular structure of these communities and these peoples, uh, the peoples, and to pick up on, on, on Elaine's comment, indeed, so the houses have memory, and the houses have histories. And part of our concern uh, in the WPA, as well as the Esperanza and the Historic West Side Residents Association, is that those structures are basically systematically being demolished. And so our work, our struggle, has been to, um, to save those structures, to preserve them as much as we can. And that isn't the sexiest kind of work to be done. I mean. Who wants to think about you know having to go to multiple city council meetings, to uh, OHP meetings, to uh, zoning meetings, to on and on and on, to engage with entities that at least myself, uh, I don't have the preparation. Those require full-time jobs, and as um, uh, as nonprofits, we don't have those those capacities. So if this sounds like a plea 
for help, for volunteering. By golly, it is. We need your mind, your hearts, your bodies, um, and your energy. So, vengan uh, said, join us. And I understand as well that uh, the WPA was a part of an effort to save one of the the brothels that was mentioned in the book. So in the book, there was Fanny Porter. She was one of the madams of the time, and she ran a, a brothel that was said to be the hideout of Butch Cassidy and his gang. Um, and Fanny Porter, eventually, she leaves San Antonio. We don't really know what happens to her too, too much. Uh, again, there's not a written record of what happens to her because so much of this is unwritten. Um, but her structure and her establishment perseveres, and it evolves over time so it converts to being a carmelite sisters nursery and then i believe um yeah and then i believe uh father flanagan's home for the boys as well and then it becomes a structure in san antonio that persevered and that was a part of san antonio on the west side and i believe that you all uh graciela and antonia you guys were part of an effort to try and and save that structure very very recently uh, so can you talk a little bit about that and and what that effort looked like and, and what happened well, that was one of the sad ones, right? Again, it was about trying to research about that building, and you kind of gave more of what most people talked about in terms of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And it's like, wait a minute, isn't there other, aren't there other stories? But there, it's hard to, again, without the time to do that research, we actually created a, a group of volunteers to do research on that building to start looking at Cavalman Square and then just south of this area. And uh, we, we connected Romana Ramos, uh, who was a midwife who brought into this world into you know 10 to 15,000 young children. And she was at 315 Matamoros. And she had a two-story building with 20 rooms. And why, you know, again, were these the children that were being born out of wedlock? But she was industrious as well. It's like, oh, the women didn't needed a car to go back. So she started a cab company and she was just another amazing businesswoman. And that's what like the book kind of misses all these other, you know, I'm looking for that address within that one little map to say, well, that would be good to see what was missing in, in all these other uh, all these other buildings and what people were doing. So we went before city, you know, before the Historic Design and Review Commission and and we told our stories and we got several of us to speak and then all of a sudden the the lobbyists for the folks that wanted to take it down, you know, started courting us and oh, let's go eat over here and so they I guess offered us tea. And these conversations went back and forth. And with promises to maybe figure out something, right? We were trying to, see, like, what are you going to do with that? You know, if you tear it down, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to build apartments? They actually had no idea. They were just going to take it down. They offered that they would save a, you know, a column or something like that, and they would incorporate it into some new building. But as those conversations happened, you know, one day we all woke up and found out that at 11 p.m. the night before, this building that had been around for 120 years, that had survived urban renewal, comes down. And of course, we blame the homeless for yeah. taking it down, even though there were fences around. And you know, nobody holds accountable the owners. 
and says maybe they hired somebody, gave them 50 bucks or 100 bucks and gave them the gasoline or whatever and put it out. And it's the end, right? And our communities in the West Side keep on seeing these fires. So I think, again, there are developers, there are land speculators that are looking for land and they're going to take it down one way or the other. And that's what happened to that space, you know, that somebody was going to make it happen. They were not happy that we were succeeding at the community level. And so let's just end the conversation. Boom, it disappears. Today, we're hearing an excerpt from a panel discussion that took place January 24, 2024, on the people and history of the historic west side of San Antonio. We just heard from Graciela Sanchez, director of the Esperanza Peace and Justice Center, and from Antonia Castaneda, professor emeritus of history at St. Mary's University in San Antonio. The discussion was moderated by Fronteras producer Maria Navarro. The Maverick Book Club event marked the reissue of the book West of the Creek, Murder, Mayhem, and Vice in Old San Antonio. The panelists offer a counter-narrative to this collection of stories of San Antonio's near west side. Hear more from this conversation on next week's program. And you can view the entire panel discussion at tpr.org. Thanks for joining us today for Fronteras. Fronteras is produced by Norma Martinez and Marian Navarro. Our executive producer is Dan Katz. Our editor is Fernando Ortiz Jr. Charanga Cakewalk composed our theme music. Hear past episodes at tpr.org and on the Fronteras podcast. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio.